Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Thanks so much for worshiping with us in person and online. I want to thank you for being here. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor James. I'm the youth and young adult pastor here at Painesville Assembly of God. So it's nice to meet you too. And uh, I just want to thank Pastor Aaron for the opportunity um, for bringing the word this morning. It is an honor. Can we give our pastor a round of applause real quick and just celebrate him? You know, we have one of the hardest working pastors, really, we do. And uh, the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And so um, he is due honor. Uh, anybody been enjoying the series we've been in, Judges, the Unlikely, God Above the Chaos? Anybody else been enjoying that? That's just me. I've been really, really enjoying this um, as pastor's been walking us through the book of Judges. And throughout the series, I've been reminded of this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. It says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So this morning, if you're here and you say, you know what, I don't feel smart enough, strong enough, good enough, rich enough, popular enough to be used or to do big things for God, then you're in good company. You're in good company because that's what the book of Judges is about you see throughout this series we've been learning that that God doesn't call the qualified but rather he qualifies those who choose to answer his call doesn't he and so that's what we've been learning as we go through the book of judges this morning we're going to be talking about Samson Samson so what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Samson what strength Oh, Delilah. I, I heard, okay, okay. I saw some strength. I heard Delilah. Okay. So, so we're going to get to Delilah part. But, but before we get to the, 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 before we get to Delilah, what, what I want you to see is that Samson has this long list of compromises, right? That before we get to Delilah, we're going to see this long string of compromises that lead us to Delilah. But, but the Bible portrays Samson as a man of great physical strength, Right? A man of great physical strength. Um, some of the feats of strength that he does in the Bible uh, are he kills a lion with his bare hands. He's bound with fresh new rope. He breaks through the fresh new rope. He kills a thousand enemy soldiers single-handedly. And uh, in another sort of more strange story, he picks a city gate up from its place, carries it up a hill, and drops it there and leaves it. So Samson is a man of great physical strength. But I would suggest to you he is a man of little inner strength. He's a man of little spiritual, moral, and emotional strength. We're going to see that as we go by. You see... Samson, because of his physical strength, he may just be one of the most likely of the unlikely. But we're going to see why God still used Samson. So, 
the story of Samson is found in Judges 13 through 16, and so we're not going to read it all here this morning, but I'd encourage you to go back this week and look through that, 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 those uh, chapters of Judges 13 through 16. I'm going to do my best to explain to you where the stories uh, are in those chapters as we go along, but I'm just going to show you some of the highlights as we work through that. So here's how the story of Samson begins, Judges 13.1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again. Again. Israel did evil, and so the Bible tells us that God allowed the Philistines to oppress them, to put them under subjugation, because again, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Throughout Judges, we, we've seen this cycle, and, and we're going to put it up on the screen. Yeah, this cycle we've seen throughout the book of Judges going on and on over and over and over again. Again, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They sinned. They fell into sin. Why? Because they forgot that the peace that they had was a result of their dependence upon God. And because they've forgotten that, they fell into the trap of sin. And again, Israel does evil in the eyes of the Lord. A lot of the stories of Judges start with that phrase. Again, Israel did evil. Again, Israel did evil. And because of their sin, God raises up a rival nation, an enemy people, to oppress them. And because of their sin, they are in a place of subjugation. And that subjugation pushes them to repentance, to cry out to God. And they repent to God. And they, they, for a time, turn away from their idols. And they turn back to God. And because of that repentance, God raises up a deliverer, a judge, like Ehud, like Deborah, like Gideon that we've been talking about, like Samson here that we're going to be talking about. God raises up a deliverer who leads the people to a time of peace until again they forget that that peace was a result of their dependence upon God, and they go back into the cycle, and we see Judges chapter 13, verse 1, again Israel does evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, anybody else in their lives relate to this cycle but me? Am I the only one who, who can relate that sometimes I fall into this cycle? You see, the Bible is so relevant for us. The Bible is so relevant, and so we've seen this cycle throughout the book of Judges go on, and uh, it's the same with Samuel again, or with uh, Samson, sorry, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then the story of Samson really picks up in verse 2 with Samson's parents. See, Samson's parents were unable to have any children, so an angel of the Lord one day visited his mother and said, you're going to have a son. And this son that you're going to have is going to lead the people of Israel and deliver them from the oppression of the Philistines. Your son is going to lead them to deliverance from the Philistines. But your son is to have a special relationship with God. There's a special covenant relationship that your son is going to have to God. And, and this is, he's to be, to be called a Nazarite for life. A Nazarite. So what does that mean? Well, in Numbers chapter 6, we see three things that Nazarites abstain from. And these three things are the outward sign of the inward covenant of a Nazarite. 
Now, many people would take a Nazarite vow, and that was just for a short period of time that they would abstain from these three things as a, as a time to get closer to God. The Apostle Paul did it in the New Testament. But the angel was specific about Samson. Samson would be a Nazarite for life, meaning that he was held to these things, these three things for his life. What are those three things? Well, first, Samson must abstain from alcohol, must not drink alcohol. Second, Samson must not touch anything dead. And third, Samson must not cut his hair. These are the vows of a Nazarite. You see, throughout Scripture, God gives an outward physical sign as what's happening on the inside. So Samson has a special covenant relationship with God. That's what's supposed to happen on the inside of him. And the signs of that covenant are these three things. Like water baptism. Water baptism isn't salvation. We're not saved because we are baptized, but water baptism is a physical outward sign of what's already taken place on the inside of someone when they've given their life to Jesus. It's like the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, an, is the evidence of a life full of the Spirit of God. The, what's happening on the inside is the Spirit dwells inside of you, and so the outward result of that is the fruit of the Spirit. It's like the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That means that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what's something that happens on the inside of you, but tongues is the outward symbol or expression of what God is doing on the inside of you. And so that's what these three signs are to Samson. They're to be outward signs of an inward covenant special relationship that God wants to have with Samson. And so... The end of Judges chapter 13, the angel leaves, and uh, then we get into Judges chapter 14, and there's a gap period here. Samson um, was a, a baby, a, just a, a child when the angel uh, leaves, and now, um, now in Judges 14, Samson's a grown man. He's a grown man. So Judges 14 opens with Samson starting to fall in love with a Philistine woman. Samson falls in love with the Philistine. But you remember what the angel told his parents? That Samson would be the one who would deliver the people from the Philistines. But Samson's fallen in love with that which God had called him to bring deliverance to. Samson was fraternizing with the enemy. He was fraternizing with the enemy. And this is his first compromise his first compromise is that he's fallen in love with this Philistine woman. He goes to his parents, and he wants to marry her. And his parents don't think it's a good idea, and rightly so. Why? Because in the book of Exodus, God commanded the people of Israel that when they would go into the promised land, that they should not give their sons and daughters into marriage to the people of that land. Why? Not because God wanted some sort of racial purity, but because God wanted spiritual purity among his people. God knew that the, the Canaanites and, and the other ites, the people of that land, that they worshipped other gods. They worshipped other idols. And so God knew that if you marry them, if you enter into that type of intimate relationship with somebody who worships other idols, that you will be pushed and swayed into worshiping other idols, other gods. 
Time and time again, Israel fell into that trap, and that's why we see that cycle throughout the book of Judges. They're falling away from God, and they're doing what the people around them are doing. It is easier to be pulled away from Christ because of the influence of others than it is to push, be pushed toward Christ or to push someone toward Christ. That's why I've never seen missionary dating work. That's why I've never seen it work. Because it's easier to be pulled away from Christ than it is to push someone else toward Christ. And Samson wants to date a Philistine, someone who didn't have the same values as the people of Israel. And that's what it comes down to. Listen, students in the room, Samson insisted, even when his parents said, this is a bad idea. And this marriage, if you read through Judges chapter 14, you'll see it ends badly for Samson. So listen, students, listen to your parents. Listen to your parents. Samson believed he knew better than his parents, and Samson believed he knew better than God. Parents, I'm trying to help you out here. I'm throwing you something here, okay? Students, listen to your parents, okay? Samson didn't listen to his parents. His parents caved, and Samson ended up marrying a Philistine woman. Did not go well for Samson. This marriage did not go well for Samson. Listen, if you're single in this place, know this. The most important fact about a person is their values. It's not about how good they look, how much they make you laugh, It's not about their personality or their looks. The most important thing about a person, an individual, is their values. Ask yourself these questions. Do they have a relationship with Jesus? And do they value that relationship with Jesus? And if the answer to either of those questions is no, then your answer to them should be no. No, Samson's first compromise was marrying a Philistine woman. And as we're going to see, these compromises are pulling Samson from his purpose. See, what the story of Samson is going to teach us is that true inner strength comes from our standards. Samson lacked standards, so he lacked inner strength. He had great physical strength. But he lacked the standards. And because he lacked the standards, he lacked inner strength. Marrying a Philistine woman was just the first compromise. The first thing. As Samson goes on and on, we're going to see compromise after compromise. Another story in Judges chapter 14 is another one of Samson's compromises. See, as Samson was on his way to Timnah, a Philistine city, where he was visiting his bride-to-be, which, let's back up. Why in the world is he going to Timnah in the first place, a Philistine city, when he's called to deliver the people from the Philistines? What in the world is he doing even going there to begin with? Listen, when you find yourself in the wrong places, that's when you end up doing the wrong things. 
You might think, I could just go there. I could just be around it. I don't have to like do anything that they're doing. I know they're going to be doing some bad stuff at whatever this is, that party, that place. And I, I, could just, I could just be there and I don't have to participate. When you find yourself in the wrong place, you find yourself doing the wrong things. And Samson is, finds himself going to Timnah. And as he's on his way there, a lion comes out and jumps at him and attacks him. And the Bible tells us that Samson takes the lion in his bare hands and kills the lion. This is a battle Samson shouldn't win, right? He should not be able to do this in his own strength, okay? A lion's weigh anywhere between 300 and upwards of 450, close to 500 pounds, all right, they, their paws are the size of a man's head. Their claws are an inch and a half long. They bite down with the force of 650 PSI. He shouldn't win this battle, but God has given him supernatural strength, and with his bare hands, he defeats this lion. Then he goes and he fraternizes with the enemy, and on his way back from Timnah, he sees this carcass of a lion. But while he was gone, something began to grow inside the carcass of the lion. Bees came and made that carcass their home. They, they formed a beehive in the carcass of the lion. And so Samson's walking by and he has a little sweet tooth. He's a little hungry. He goes and he reaches into the carcass of the lion and he pulls honey from this beehive that had been created inside the dead body of this lion. He eats of it and the Bible says that he takes some back to his parents Gives it to them without telling them where he got it. Okay, this is a gross thing, right? Like, this is disgusting. This is completely gross, and it's disgusting. But beyond being disgusting, Samson's being disobedient. Why? Because he wasn't supposed to touch anything dead. And now, not only is he touching something dead, he's eating out of a dead animal. See, one compromise leads to the next. Which leads to the next. Which leads to the next. Each compromise, the more we get down the road of compromise, the more we walk the path of compromise, the easier the next compromise is. The longer we walk that path, the more we compromise, the calloused our heart becomes to God. And the more we walk that, the easier the next one becomes. And Samson's next compromise is found in Judges 15. Verses 15 and 16 says this. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a jawbone's donkey, and listen to this, this is actually written in poetry, it's like a song, so he's like singing this part. Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. So, so Samson kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. So here you might say, Samson's finally walking in his purpose. He's finally walking in his calling. He was supposed to deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines. He's finally starting to do that. But he did it with the jawbone of a donkey. And what is he not supposed to touch? Dead things. It's, it's, it's possible to do the right thing in the wrong way. And it's still wrong. You can do the right thing in the wrong way and it still be wrong. And notice this, Samson is singing about this. Like when he took the honey from the beehive and gave it to his parents, he didn't tell them where he got it. He didn't tell anybody where he got it. That was the first compromise. But now 
He's shouting and singing like, I used the jawbone of a donkey and I did this. See how it becomes easier when we walk the path of compromise? See how it becomes easier the further we get along as we just keep going and compromise? It just becomes easier and easier the more we go into it. And that was what happened to Samson. It's possible to do the right thing in the wrong way and it's still a compromise of your standards when you do that. That's Samson's third compromise. And now we get to Judges chapter 16 where we're going to see Samson's final two compromises. His final two compromises. First part of Judges chapter 16, it opens up with Samson and he's sleeping with a prostitute. He is having sex outside of marriage, which was and still is, by the way, against God's covenant and God's law. Samson is going further and further down the road of compromise. And here's where he meets Delilah. Here's where he meets Delilah. It's not like he was living for the Lord and everything was great when he met Delilah. He was already down the path. He was already walking the road of compromise when he meets Delilah. What he didn't know about Delilah is that she was working with the Philistines. The Philistines were pretty upset about the time when Samson killed a thousand of their men. And so they said to Delilah, we're going to give you a lot of money, but find out the secret of Samson's strength. Find out the secret of Samson's strength. By this time, Samson had compromised and compromised and compromised and compromised. Remember, true strength comes from our standards. And when we compromise our standards, we compromise our strength. And that's the story of Samson. That's what's, gonna, that's what's happening to Samson. He's walking in compromise and compromise. And by the time that Delilah asked Samson, tell me, what's the secret of your strength? I think that Samson had already forgotten that his secret was God. That his strength actually came from God. I think by this point, after going so long into compromise, that Samson thought that his strength was in and of himself. I did this. I killed these men with the jawbone of a donkey. Guess what? I touched a dead thing and I still was strong. I still was, God didn't take away my strength when I did that. So the more I compromise, the more I compromise. I still have this strength. God hasn't taken it away yet, which must mean it's mine. Which must mean that I can do these things. Who needs God when I can do this? This is Samson's attitude. When Delilah first asks him, what's the secret of your strength? And he says, well, you know, he just wants to mess with her a little bit. Well, if you tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings, then I'll be as weak as any other man. So she ties him up with seven fresh bowstrings. The Philistines lie in waiting. They set an ambush for him. And uh, she says, Delilah says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He breaks the bowstrings and fights off the Philistines. But then he goes back to Delilah. Like he goes back. And, and you're reading this and I'm thinking, what a fool. Like what are you doing? This woman set a trap for you. She tried to get rid of you and you're going back? But look how prideful and arrogant Samson is. I have this strength. There's nothing the Philistines can do to me. So he goes back. 
Delilah says again, what's the secret of your strength? If you tie me with fresh ropes, I'll be as weak as any other man. She ties him with fresh ropes. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Boom, breaks free, fights him off again. He goes back to her again. Samson, what's the secret of your strength? Well, if you weave my hair into some fabric, then I'll be as weak as any other man. She weaves his hair into fabric. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Pulls his hair out. Boom, fights him off again. This would be a comedy if it wasn't so sad. If it wasn't such a tragedy, it would be a comedy how ridiculous this story is. How much Samson has believed the lie that he can do it all by himself. And by the fourth time when she asks him, what's the secret of your strength? And he says, if you cut my hair, I'll be like any other man. I seriously think that Samson believed nothing would happen if she cut his hair. I think he thought he would just be, have the same strength. I touched the dead animals. I already married the Philistine. Let's... Can we just recap? He marries a Philistine woman. He eats the honey from the lion. He uses the jawbone of the donkey. He has sex outside of marriage. And now he is again fraternizing with the enemy in Delilah. And God still hasn't taken away his strength. So by this point he says, go ahead and cut my hair because I'll be strong anyway. Go ahead and do it. Cut my hair. He tells her, to cut his hair. She cuts his hair while he's sleeping. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He gets up. Now remember, Samson has not cut his hair his entire life until this point. Got to have some weight to it, right? He has to notice what has happened, right? He has to realize my hair's been cut. He gets up like he doesn't even care. He goes to fight him again. This time, something's different. This time, something's different. Possibly the, the, one of the most saddest Bible verses of all time is, is Judges 16, verse 20. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. But he did not know. He didn't even realize or recognize that where his strength came from, which was the Lord, the Lord had left this is what compromise will do to you. It so hardens and calluses your heart that you don't even recognize when the presence of the Lord isn't with you. Oh, that we would be a people who is sensitive to the Spirit of God and knows and can feel the presence. And where the presence goes, I go. And if the presence leaves, then I know I need to step back and say, what am I doing? Oh, that we would be, compare Samson to Jesus when Jesus is on the cross and he's hanging there and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, the moment that the father had turned away from Jesus because Jesus had taken our sin upon himself, Jesus recognized that moment. Samson did not even realize that the Lord was not with him because Samson was walking in compromise. Samson was a man of great physical strength, but he was a man of little spiritual and emotional and moral strength. And because he lacked standards, because he compromised his standards, his strength was compromised. Judges 16, 21 says, Then the Philistines seized him 
gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza. They gouged out his eyes. That's what sin does to you. It makes you blind. You know that? That's what compromise does. It blinds you. They gouged out his eyes and they took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, and they set him to grinding grain in prison. This is the once mighty slayer of Philistines. His head shaved, eyes gouged out, bound in shackles, grinding a slave, grinding grain. Remember when I said Samson was the most likely of the unlikelies? Here's where we see Samson was truly unlikely. It was at this point that he really, that we see that he was unlikely. He had compromised his standards. He had compromised so much that he himself was compromised. How could God use Samson now? But I believe that it was in this prison. It was in the darkness. The prison in Gaza. That Samson began to learn something. Submission. Samson in the darkness learned submission to God. See, the whole time, Samson believed that his strength was his own, that he could do all of these things. But then God had to take that away from him, strip him down in humiliation. It wasn't until his head was shaved, his eyes was gouged out, that he finally learned that the key to all of this is dependence and submission upon God. It took him all of this to learn that. It took him this long to learn submission comes from God. Samson lacked two important things. He lacked standards and he lacked submission. But it was in the prison that he learned submission. Whereas Judges 16.20 is one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible, I believe that Judges 16.22 is one of the coolest. It says, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. The hair on his head began to grow back after it was shaved. This is the mercy and the grace of our God. The mercy and the grace of our God. Samson didn't deserve it anymore. But God caused his hair to grow back again. Samson didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. He was in prison. The prison is what he deserved. Prison is where he should spend the remainder of his days. And if I'm God, I say I'm looking for another hero. If I'm God, I'm saying we need a replacement But thankfully, I'm not God. Because our God is not in the business of replacing people. He's in the business of redeeming people's lives. So if you come to church this morning and you think you're too compromised, 
You think that you've done too much. You think you've been too many of those wrong places, done too many of those wrong things. There's grace for you. There's forgiveness for you. Here's the good news of the gospel. You can't fix your sin, but God can forgive it. You can't fix your sin, but God can forgive it. There's forgiveness for you. There's grace for you. Even in the darkness of a prison, there is mercy and grace for you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come as we close out the story of Samson this morning. One day long after Samson was forgotten about by his own people, Forgotten about in a dark dungeon. The Philistines decided that they would throw a party. All the leaders and all the officials of the Philistines were all there. Gathered around and somebody said, hey, does anybody remember that guy Samson that everybody was so afraid of? Remember him? I heard that that they used some woman to trick him and now he's in some prison somewhere in Gaza with, he's blind and he's all a mess, his hair. Let's bring him out so we can make fun of him. Let's bring him out so that we can mock him and throw things at him. Isn't that what the enemy likes to do to us? When we're at our darkest, at our worst. So they, they bring Samson up out of that dungeon in Gaza And the Bible says he performs for them, whatever that is. They mock him, ridicule him. And then Samson does something that he's never done before. He asks God for strength. What do you know? He killed the lion, never asked God for strength. He broke the ropes. Never asked God for strength. He carried that city gate up on the hill. Never asked God for strength. He killed a thousand men. Never asked God for strength. It wasn't until the prison that Samson learned submission. In the darkness of the prison, Samson learned to submit. Judges 16, 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Just once more. So the Bible tells us that someone had to lead Samson to a pillar, a column that was supporting the whole structure because he was blind, he couldn't see. And they led him to that pillar. And because Samson had learned submission to God, then God can use him then God can use him. And God supernaturally strengthened Samson again, and with all of his strength, Samson was able to push over that pillar, causing the whole structure to come down, killing tons of Philistines and Samson himself. Judges 16.30 says, Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Samson learned Submission, but it took his hair being shaved, it took his eyes being gouged out, it took the darkness of a prison. What will it take for you and I before we learn to submit to God? 
What, what will it take for us? So you might be saying, Pastor James, Samson did all that compromise. Still God in the end forgave him and God used him. So why can't I just live my life of compromise now and ask God for forgiveness later? And I would say to you, God can and does forgive, but you can either choose to walk in compromise or walk in your calling. And you don't get to have both at the same time. You could choose to walk in compromise or you could choose to walk in your calling, but you don't get to have both at the same time. Look at all the time Samson wasted, years and decades that Samson wasted walking in compromise when God could have been using him. God can forgive you, but he'd rather be using you. He'd rather be using you. You can't fix your sin. You can't go back in time. So, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Listen, if you come and you're in a place where you're like, I'm already compromised you feel like you're already too far gone, there's forgiveness for you. There's forgiveness here in this moment. Why? Because you can't go back in a time machine. You can't fix your mistakes. You have to be dependent upon God and learn submission because he can forgive your sins. We've all walked the path of compromise. The Bible calls it sin. We've all compromised our standards. What is sin? Sin is any action or attitude that's contrary to the will and the word of God. We've all done it. The Bible says that we've all sinned and that we, the wages of sin is death, meaning that we all deserve the punishment. But Jesus came. Jesus came on the cross and he took my sin and he took your sin upon himself and there on the cross he died the death of a sinner even though he lived a sinless life. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. That's what I deserved. The cross is what I deserved. Just like the prison is what Samson deserved. But God, but Jesus, in his mercy and his grace forgave me when I didn't earn it or deserve it and he can forgive you too this morning. So if, if you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And if today in this place you would say, I'm walking the road of compromise and I want to get off that path because there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. And I want to get off that path of compromise and I want to get, off, get on the path headed toward my calling. I'm going to choose submission now. If you would like to dedicate your life or rededicate your life to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you've done this a hundred times, but you need to come back to him, would you just as a sign, as that outward sign of the inward submission in your heart, would you just lift your hand up right now? Just put your hand up right now. Yeah, I see your hands. I see them. 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 You put your hands down. There's forgiveness for you. There's grace for you. God loves you enough to not leave you where, he are, where you are. So I'm going to pray, and if, if you raised your hand and you want to receive prayer, listen, I believe in the power of prayer. And so if you want to get alone with God around these altars after I pray, you could feel free to. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'll be down here, and I can, 
agree with you in prayer. But let me pray with you this morning. And then get right with God today. Get right with Him today. Get off that road to compromise and get headed toward your calling. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You. You saw each and every hand. You see each and every heart that's in this place. Lord, You love them. And You want to make them into a new creation. The old is passed away and all things become new. So God, touch them right now. Forgive them of their sins. Help them to walk in purpose and in their calling. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Why don't we stand up and go into a time of worship. And if you want to find a place at these altars, I'd encourage you, do it. There's something powerful about moving from where you are and coming to an altar. And if you want somebody to pray with you, I'm going to have my mask on. I'm going to be down here and I'm going to pray over people. Let's seek the Lord. Get right with Jesus today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.